I love the series that we're in, and the series is is God at Work. God at Work. And it's a series that I think that all of us can relate to because I believe it's relevant, not just on the weekend, but this series is going to help us with our everyday life, especially in the workplace. And we learned last week that there is purpose in your work. Everybody say purpose. Such an important word. There is purpose in your work. The truth is that God created us to work. Even before the fall of man, God's original plan, his original design for us was to be workers. Now, I know some of you trying to find that loophole, right? And saying, well, that was after the fall. But the truth is, God created you to work. God wants you to work. So what I want you to do is just remind your neighbor, come on, look at him right now and say, work is good. Come on, look at him. Tell him that. Work is good. Now, I hope some of you spouse don't have to elbow your husband and say, hey, get up in the morning and tell him that as well. All right? But work is good. And this series is, is really nothing new when you study church history. As a matter of fact, when we look back at nearly 500 years ago during the Reformation period, there's a man by the name of Martin Luther that had this whole thought, and he was connecting purpose and work. And he realized this, and he wrote this thesis called The Doctrine of Vocation. I think it's something that many of you could go Google. You can look at it later. But it's an incredible piece of work that he wrote because here's the thing that he found out as he studied this thought of work. And I want you all to catch this. As you begin to look back at the origin of the word work, he noticed this in the Bible, in the Hebrew Bible. And that is the word work and worship were the same. The same word that they use early on in Hebrew writings, it was the same word we get our word worship as well. And so Luther had this whole revelation is that my work is my worship. Imagine that. How many of you know that gives a little bit greater purpose in what we do every day in our life? And in this doctrine of vocation, not only was he studying that, but he also learned and connected the word work to vocation. It's the word vocar, and that word means this. It's your calling. It's your calling. And so throughout this series, really, that's our prayer. That's Rick's heart for all of you to look at your work in a new way. Come on, how many of y'all know we're going to need this on Monday morning, right? And take a new approach in the way that we look at our work. And listen to what the Bible says in Colossians chapter 3. I love this verse in verse 23. He says, work willingly everybody say willingly that's important here he's not just saying go to work half-heartedly he's not just saying go to work and you're dreading it and all this stuff but he's saying here he says work willingly at whatever you do though you're working for the Lord rather than people and I think that's important for us to get here Because the challenge is, is a lot of times that it's the people we work with. That's the challenge. And so what Luther was trying to do is connect this whole thing of your work is your life calling. Therefore, what happens, I want you all to catch this, is church becomes a part of your everyday life. God becomes a part of your everyday life. So whatever we put our hand to, let's also put our heart in also. Let me just give you just a few things of advice here. And I know y'all didn't ask for it, right? 
But it's something that we try to teach our staff. This is something Rick reiterates a lot of times. But here's the thing, guys. If you're going to work, just write a few of these things down. This will help you. Number one, show up on time. Can I have an amen? amen? All right. Not only show up on time, I think we should get there early, always being prepared because we never know what's going to come. I learned work ethic from my dad. My dad would get up very early in the morning, and he would get to work early, hours before, and he would just walk around praying, just praying for that day. There's going to be some challenges that's going to hit your faith in the middle of the day. Is that right? There's going to be some trials that come your way. And you learn that when you show up early, you pray, and here's the thing what you do. You're speaking life over that situation that day. Show up on time. Get there early. Another thing is be the hardest worker in that room. Be the hardest worker in that room. Have the best attitude in that room. Be the best communicator. Follow up on your responsibilities. Be the best communicator in the room. And I think another thing is be the most honest person in the room. That's where you start. That's how you find purpose in your work. Excellent in everything that you do. And I want you all to lean forward on this because here's where I'll show you some favor. There are business owners, business people. I know. I look at a few of them, and here's the thing that they know about. That's the type of person they're looking for. You want to walk in favor? You want to walk in excellence and do that? I'm going to tell you right now, God will reward you, but sometimes I'm going to tell you this too, man will reward you as well. So let's find purpose in our work. So that was last week. But today I want to hit another topic and teach on this thought. We got purpose in our work, but also what I want you to see is people in our work. Everybody say people. people. We talked about purpose, but now we're going to look at people in our work. Now, here's a question I know that all of you can relate to. How many of y'all work with some interesting people at work? Come on, raise your hand. All right. How many of you work with some very difficult people that frustrate you at work? I got both my hands up. Y'all pray for me, right? I mean, I work with Pastor Rick. I work with Pastor Chris O. I need, I need some prayer, man, when it comes to my work, right? Look, I, I do thank God this past week, man, Rick and I have been praying for once somebody. Chris, so he finally got saved. Now we can get him off. Get him off that list, man. All right? But seriously, guys, look, I know for some of you it's a battle when you wake up and go to work. I know for some of you it's an environment that can be toxic that you're dealing with day in and day out. But I also know this, too. For some of us, maybe there's challenges of going back in that workplace because we know that maybe our past has not been a direct reflection of who we are in Christ. And so what I love about this series, especially at the beginning of the new year here, is that, look, we can redo some things here. God can do a reset. And here's the thing I also know. God can give you a new season in your work. People at work. Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 8 and 10, a very familiar passage for many of you. And it starts off and it says this, For by grace you have been saved, and listen to what he says here, through faith. This is not of yourselves, but instead, listen to what he says here, it's a gift from God. All right, so he's talking about this, and he says, Not of works that any of us could boast, but I want you all to catch this next part. He says this, For we are God's handwork. 
We're his masterpiece in a sense. We're his workmanship, which he created in Christ Jesus for us to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The word workmanship. If you've got your Bible, I want you to circle that. Just write that word down. Just highlight it. Sometimes we read over the Bible and we read over terms, and it's like, okay, that's cool. But if you study this word workmanship, there's a lot to this word. Now, back in the day, you know, in high school, I took a poetry class. Come on, y'all don't judge me for that, right? I just thought it was going to be an easy class, to be honest with you. And there was girls all up in the class. How many of y'all know? That's all you need right in high school, right? And I'll never forget, I'm getting in that class, and I realize, oh, boy, what have I got myself into, right? And here's this teacher talking about poetry, and I'm just going to tell you, it did not relate to me one bit. All right? But then I started writing. And he taught me this, man. When you write, you express your feelings. You express who you are. And before you know it, I was a poet, right? And, man, I started going to town, writing to Marcy, man. Look, a couple of weeks ago, we were cleaning some things out, and I was with my daughter-in-law. And here's my wife. We're in the garage. And she said, oh, look what I found. A book of poems by Darren DeLorme. <laughs> and I sat there humiliated as my daughter-in-law just began to read all these poems to my girlfriend, my, my bride now. All right? But here's a seriously about poetry. When you look at the word poet or creation and all this, back in the day there wasn't a word that really translated. And so the word when you look at poetry or you look at poet, it really literally it means this. It means workmanship. It means creation. It means the expression of who you are. And the Bible says, look, we are God's workmanship. We're God's expression to this world. I like what Gustav Wingreen, a a Swedish theologian, listen to what he says on this. He says, God does not need our work, but our neighbor or our coworker does. In other words, work is our witness. Work is our witness. Now, here's the number one stress that most people say they have at work. And y'all know what it is. It's people. Everybody say people. That's our number one stress. And so all I want to do over the next few moments is just try to give you some words here of encouragement, but just some things that you can apply to how to deal with people. Because let's again, let's be honest, all of us work with some difficult people. If you don't believe that you do, guess what? You're probably that difficult person, right? (laughs) Right? But some of you immediately, you're thinking about Mr. Sherman Tank. He runs all over you. Any of y'all ever been run over, right, by someone at work? How about Miss Megaphone? The gossiper at work. Any of y'all got any of those people around you? We got the dream killers. They're always negative. You can't. You can't. Don't take a risk. Don't do that. And then a lot of times, y'all been around these people. It's just the crybabies, man. Everything's negative. I mean, they're just negative about everything. They're so sensitive. They're so emotional. All right? And emotions on their shoulders. Look, I'm just trying to be real and honest. Is that okay? Y'all know people like that. But listen what the scripture tells us here. And I want you all to put this in the context again, people in our work. All right, he says here in Romans chapter 12, verse 16, live in harmony with one another. He's reminding us, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Do not 
be willing in a sense. He says here, be willing to associate with low position. Don't be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Any of y'all plotted that before? Huh? I've been there. Be careful to what is right in the eyes of everybody. And then listen what he says here. If. Everybody say if. There's some condition, right? That's a conditional statement. He says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. In other words, he's saying if is conditioned, and you're going to have to get this and learn this today. There are some people that are impossible. I'm just letting you know that, all right? But what I love about this scripture, he's putting it back on us. He's saying, look, you can walk in and you can control, in a sense, the environment. What he's teaching us is that when you walk in a room, you can change the environment if, if it is possible. Again, he says, for you, all of us have an opportunity, in a sense, to bring Jesus in the workplace, to bring peace in the workplace. Difficult people, I'm going to tell you right now, they're character builders for us. And I don't know how you ever looked at it this way, but difficult people, they're a gift from God. Because it helps work on our character. Here's a scripture about character in Galatians chapter 5. He says here, verse 22 through 23, and we, we need the Holy Spirit, especially in our work week. But he says, look, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Come on, how many of y'all, we need some faithfulness in the workplace gentleness, and self-control. Against these, there is no law in a sense. So if you take a note, just a few things. Real quick, we're going to aim out here. All right? How do we relate with people in our work? Number one, write this down. All right? This is going to help you out. Don't try to please everyone. All right? And that's weak. All right? I should have heard an amen on that one, right? <laughs> Don't try to please everyone. Now, if we could line up all the elders in the sense, the gray hair people of wisdom, they will tell you how many hours they wasted in their life worried about what this person thought or what that person's thinking. And then they would come to a point and say, you know what? <laughs> Amen. Now, I hope that person wasn't elbowing her spouse on that one, right? Okay? Pray for him, man, all right? But don't try to please everyone. Have you realized you can't please everyone? I mean, look at the scripture here in Proverbs 29, verse 25. It says this. Now, I want you to note this. It says, it is dangerous. It is dangerous to be concerned with what other people think of you. Some of you here, man, I'm going to tell you right now, you place way too much value in trying to please people. You place way too much value on your social media, wanting likes or being recognized by other people. You place way too much value of trying to be noticed at work or whatever. Listen, guys, look, your acceptance doesn't come from people. Your acceptance comes from God. And when you work, you got to remind yourself of that. Look, God can't even please everybody. Have y'all noticed that? I mean, some people are praying for rain, you duck hunters. And then some people are praying, hey, I don't want no rain. Some people pray for the Razorbacks, Right? And then some people pray for the tigers. Go tiger. We see where God's favor is at, right? <laughs> God answers prayer, right? 
But look, man, God can't please everyone. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4. He says, our purpose. Y'all catch that? Again, we talked about purpose in our work. We're talking about people in our work. He says, our purpose is to please God. That's our purpose, is to please God and not people. He alone examines the motives of our heart. So today, this weekend, as you kick off a new week, I want to challenge you. Make it a point right now that you're going to resolve that you will no longer let people steal your joy in the workplace, right? Make it a point right now that you will no longer let people mold you or put limits or labels on you in the workplace. Because here's what you do every day. When you go to work, you say, I know who I am in Christ. Every day as you go through those doors or you go in that business deal, you talk about, man, I have the favor of God. I'm walking in my purpose. You speak life into your workplace. All right? So, number one, don't try to please everyone. And then number two, I think this is important. All right? Refuse to retaliate. Refuse to get even, right? 1 Peter 3, 9, he says, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, listen to what he says here. Do not repay evil. But listen to what he says. Repay evil with blessing. Now, that's easier said than done, right? I mean, think about it. Sometimes, man, I'm going to tell you, I don't know about you, but I want to throw some sharp objects at sometimes at people that are in the workplace, Right? I mean, every now and then, I don't know, back in the day, we had those little throwing Chinese stars. I keep them in my pocket. It's like I just want to throw at Chris, like, chill out, man, you know? But don't retaliate. Man, you think, well, man, I didn't get invited to this. I didn't get recognized for that. Or, man, so-and-so, man, they, they used me up, or they did this, or they took credit for it. Listen, the mark of spiritual maturity it's just trusting God in every situation. It's staying humble. And it's just saying, God, God, you got my back. Do you believe that? If you believe that, you're not striving or, in a sense, having the wrong, you know, competition, in a sense, in a very way. You're just saying, hey, I'm just going to trust God. I'm just going to trust God. All right? So refuse to retaliate or get even. Third thing, refuse to argue. Now, for some of you, I'm going to tell you right now, we know there's a God if you can get that one, right? I'm just joking. That's a joke, okay? All right? But refuse to argue. I'll never forget when I started my first career and my first job back in the early 90s. And, and man, I was excited, you know. I was teaching and I was coaching. And, and man, I had another coworker come up to me that I knew was a pastor. So, like, man, this is going to be cool. But here's what I realized. His goal every day in life was to debate with me. His goal in everyday life was to kind of win me over, even though, all right, that I was a follower of Christ. But we had different views. And he was going around telling everyone how great theologian he was, and he would constantly challenge me. Now, I'm going to tell you, man, I, I got Cajun in my blood. There's a little fight. There's a little sarcasm. And back in the day, I loved to debate. And, and so I came up with a word for him. I, I like to call him Pharisee. How many of y'all know that's not a good word, right? <laughs> but here's the thing that I would do. He would argue constantly. And here's what I learned about arguments. No one wins, right? 
No one wins. Some of y'all need to write that down, especially for your marriage right now, right? No one wins. Jesus knew a lot about this when it came to this point of arguing. All right? Matthew chapter 22. Here it is, Jesus doing his ministry, verse 15. But it says here, the Pharisees went off and made a plan to trap Jesus with questions. A lot of times, that's what debate is. It's to trap you. And Jesus was aware of their intent. However, he said, why are you trying to trap me? Here's the thing about Jesus. He would not play their game. He called their bluff immediately. And here's what you got to learn, especially in the workplace. Debating and arguing, I'm going to tell you right now, what happens is it blows our witness to the other people around us. It blows our witness. That's what work. Work is our witness. And here, here I want to just kind of give a side note to all of our employers here, our business owners. You owe it to your employees to get rid of a divisive spirit in the workplace. Can I tell you that? You owe it to them. For some of you, you have a, a hard thing, especially when you're trying to, you know, walk in the love of Christ, but thinking, man, I can't uh, confront something in the workplace. Yes, you can. I'm telling you, there are some people that are, are just cancerous in the workplace. There's some people that want to sabotage your whole business. I've learned this, guys. You've got to call a spade a spade, right? And sometimes you've got to deal with those difficult people. Never let gossip destroy the culture of your company or your business. Get in there. And this is what the Bible tells us. I love this verse, man. This is a good one. All right? Proverbs 22.10. He says, throw out the mocker. I like that one, right? He says, just throw them out. In other words, it's okay to fire some people, man. Now, some of y'all getting real quiet. Y'all like, oh, you mean, man. That's how them Cajuns, that's how them tiger people are. They just mean. But he says, throw out the mocker and you will rid tension, fighting, and quarrels. The Bible gives direction on this. Titus chapter 3, verse 10, he says, if anyone's causing divisions among you, he or she should be given a first or second warning. But then there comes a point again, and he says, here, go out and have nothing to do with them. Guys, listen, guard the culture. Very important. Number four, refuse to be a wimp. You're like, what? In other words, here's the thing I think is very important in the workplace. Have some backbone, right? Have some convictions. And, and, and Christians are not wimps. God has called us, and I want you all to see this through the Gospels. He says, look, God has called us to be the light, but he's also called us to be salt as well. He says this, you're the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good. If you lose your backbone, he says, for anything except to be thrown out, trampled underfoot. He says, you're the light of the world. It's salt in light. The Bible tells us we're to be meek, but not weak. Meekness is a great trait. As a matter of fact, if you study the word, you'll see two people in the Bible were called meek. Jesus and Moses. How many of y'all know that's some good company, right? Neither one of them were weak at all. Have some backbone. If a coworker at any point asks you to do something immoral, 
unethical or unscriptural, and it goes without saying illegal, stand your ground, right? Don't compromise. Stand your ground and don't compromise. There's other areas that we compromise. It's called after hours, right? It's called road trips. It's called closing the door and maybe talking to someone you shouldn't talk about or topics you shouldn't be talking about or texting or whatever. Listen, let this year be, again, we're talking about our work. Don't separate your work from your convictions. Don't separate your work from your call of who God's called you to be. Church and work go hand in hand. Why? Because we are the church. We represent the church in the workplace. Don't soften your convictions in 2020. Can I have an amen? Amen. But also, catch this now, don't try to be the Holy Spirit to all your coworkers either. All right? God might be convicting you, but again, let God convict him. You're not the convictor of that, all right? But use wisdom. I think it's so important we use wisdom in how we deal with people. I think it's important that we learn how to really read people and read a room and, and know what's going on in that room. And I just want to give you three thoughts about this as we're going into this whole thought about work and people we work with. Here's three ways that you can read people. Number one, there are some people that have a closed door. Rick talks about doors of people's heart. There are some people that have their door so shut, their heart so shut. I mean, it's got every lock you can think of. And here's the thing I want you to just settle right now. Just settle this. You're not going to crack that door. You might want to, you might keep on believing, but they're not open. Don't push, don't kick the door down. What do you do? You just pray. Just pray for them. Second type of people we work with are people that all of a sudden you're aware because there's a crack in the door, right? There's just a little crack there. And a crack in the door a lot of times is something's changing in their life. Something is starting to open them up. Maybe it's a health situation. Maybe it's a financial situation. Maybe it's a bad home life or whatever. But all of a sudden, there's some little crack there that you can just step in and just show you care. You can step in and say, hey, man, look, you want to talk about this later? You can step in and just say, hey, look, man, I'm here if you ever want to talk. As simple as that. Just being kind, that cracked door. It's slowly opening. Just being there for them. But then there's some people at workplace, and if you recognize this, they have a wide open door. And I'm going to tell you right now, there's a lot of people that have that. And that is, man, look, they're wide open for the things of God. They're wide open right now for Jesus. Some of these people say, hey, every now and then they'll be telling you, i got to get back in church. You know what you do when they say that? Let's go this weekend, right? You jump on it. Some of y'all need to learn a little bit of salesmanship in this too, right? I mean, when someone's there, close the deal. Get them to church. Some of you, I know that because we'll be in the foyer, and you'll look at one of us, and you'll say, hey, I finally brought a friend to church. Don't mess this thing up, right? But seriously, guys, being a witness at work, there's nothing like having a coworker sit in church with you. And all of a sudden, you just see them respond to the grace of God. You see them respond to the call of God. 
You see them all of a sudden just give their heart to the Lord. And, and through that, man, it's just such a blessing to have that. just want to encourage you this year, man. Invite your coworkers to church. Come on, get out there, man. Be an example. And here's the thing. You don't have to preach a message to them. Let Rick do that. He's a little bit better than all of us, right? But just be a witness. Pray for them. Encourage them. And then the last thing as we're closing out here, respond with love and forgiveness. Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, it says, Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. I don't know about you, but somebody curses at me, I, I want to give them the elbow, right? Real quick. He says, do good to them that hate you. What? Do good to them? And pray for them who despitefully use you and persecute you. Four actions here that are laid out. Our God teaches us how to deal with people in our work. Number one, love them. Number two, bless them. Number three, do good to them. Number four, pray for them, right? Let me just close with this story. Never forget, man, walking into my, my new workplace there, and it was an exciting, exciting moment for me. And, and I met my, my boss, who was going to be, be over me. And, and what I didn't realize about this guy, and particularly I heard rumors about him, he was very hard-nosed, all right? But he was agnostic. Not only was he agnostic, he was, he was an intellectual. And here's the thing, and just in simple conversations with him, a lot of times he would mock Christianity. He believed Christianity were for weak people, weak people that didn't know how to think or critically think. And so he was always sarcastic when it came to things, especially in the Christian faith. And when something would happen, he'd say, hey, Darren, won't you pray to your God? Let's see him get you out of this one. Or he'd say, hey, hey, this is broke, man. Don't you believe in healing? Lay hands on I mean, he, he was sarcastic. And I'm like, man, I, I don't know about this dude, man. But there was something about him that, that I still connected with because he reminded me a lot of who I was before I came to Christ. And little did I know that over time, we would just slowly build a relationship. I didn't preach at him. I did argue with him many times in debate. I told you that. I had that issue early on. There's times I want to retaliate at him. But I'll never forget my wife and I, we said, you know what? We're going to win him to Jesus in Jesus' name. And I just started loving him, man. And I knew this. If I could start finding something in common with him, he was a big old boy. He liked working out. I said, okay, let's start working out together early in the morning. And I knew I could get his respect that way. And, man, we just started slinging some weights. And in that, we just started talking little bit by little bit. Next thing I know, next thing, we're, we're hanging out on the weekend with, our, with our, our wives, and we're just hanging out, and I'm introduced to his family. He's introduced to my family. And over the course, guys, listen to me, of a couple of years, this man became one of my best friends. And I'll never forget when his mom passed away, and I went there to the funeral home, and I sat with him. All that hardship, all that stuff just came out. And here's the thing. I was able to pray with that man. And that man became a prayer partner with me. That man challenged me in my faith, and I challenged him in his faith. That guy, that guy became a mentor to me professionally at LSU and just so many things. We wrote a book together. We did all these things. 
And leaving Baton Rouge, that was one of the closest relationships 20 years ago that I missed the most. But guys, here's the thing. I didn't preach at him. What I did is I let my work be my witness. I let my work be my witness. You see, when Jesus saw the crowd, the Bible said he was moved with compassion. He saw their need. I just want to encourage you to hear today as we close out. Think about the people in your workplace as souls. See beyond the hardship. See beyond a lot of the things that they're going through. And see them as a soul that needs to know Jesus. And here's the thing. See your work as a mission. Look, there's purpose in our work. There's people in our work. Your work is worship, but your work is also witness. I'm just going to ask all of you to bow your head.